Shabbos Dafnum Beis, how's everybody doing? The other day we were learning about different leashes and collars that an animal is allowed to go out on Shabbos. It doesn't constitute tiltal carrying on Shabbos. Today we're discussing goat. A goat has a very narrow head. And if you were to put an officer or a halter on it, it could easily sneak its head out of it. And therefore, it doesn't accomplish much. And if it doesn't accomplish much, that constitutes carrying on Shabbos. Therefore, you cannot put an officer on a goat on Shabbos. If you want to put an officer on a goat on Shabbos, what you must do is drill a hole through its horn and put the officer through it, and therefore he won't be able to get out of it. The Gemara remains in a suffix and a teku. What if you attach the leash to the goat's beard? Very interesting question. On the one hand, it's very painful for the goat to get out of it. But on the other hand, if he really wanted to, he could shake back and forth and he'll get out of it. The Gemara remains in a suffix. If you were to take a leather piece and tie it between the horns of a cow, if you did this, for decorative purposes, according to everybody, that's considered carrying. Nobody in the right mind wants to decor a cow. However, if you put it there in order to lead the cow, that's a machloikis. Rav says it's usur, and Shmuel says it's not considered carrying. The big problem for Rav is paraduma. The halacha by paraduma is you're not allowed to put any kind of weight, any load on top of the paraduma. On the other hand, halacha is, that if you put a leash on a paraduma, that doesn't constitute a weight. It's not a load. The question is why, according to Rab, you're not allowed to go out on Shabbos with a leash on a cow. That should constitute a load. There are three answers given. Abai says we're discussing a case where you're trying to bring, transport the paraduma to another city. In that case, it's the norm to attach a leash to guide him all the way to the other city. Rav says perhaps we're talking about a paraduma that is extremely expensive. Paradumas are always expensive, like we see from the story of Dhamma bin Asina. And therefore, it's the norm to add an extra level of protection so it doesn't run away, it doesn't get hurt, and you added a leash, and that's okay. Or, we're talking about a crazy paraduma, para myredes, really wild, and therefore, it's the norm to attach a leash to a wild cow. We learned in the Mishnah that a horse goes out with a shear, a collar. Now, if the collar is there to lead the horse, everybody agrees, that's mutter. What if you put the collar for the core? According to Rav Huna, that's okay. It could go out with something like that. And according to Shmuel, that constitutes, that constitutes carrying on Shabbos. In fact, Rav Huna showed, and he did a maisa, a maisa Rav, he took out his horse with a decorative piece to show that he could do so on Shabbos. But the Brisa says exactly like Shmuel, that's in fact also to do so. There's two types of wrapping a leash. There's wrapping a leash all the way around the horse's neck, and that is there for the core, provided that you leave enough room for your hand to grab it, or another Rashi where the leash is slightly longer, and you can grab that. And then you have a leash that's just a long leash like you have for a dog to lead the horse. There are three sayings when it comes to Rebbe. One is a saying that they said in front of Rebbe, and they said that there are four types of animals that go out with a halter, and one of them is a mule. The other saying is Revdimi, that Rebbe's mules went out with a halter. But it's not clear. Did he mean the decorative one or the leading one? And then you have Rav Hanina, Rav Shmuel, in the name of Rav Hanina, that says that, in fact, Rebbe's mules went out with a decorative leash. The bottom line is, from all these sayings, we see that Rebbe's mules went out even with a decorative leash. 
We learned in the Mishnah that these bits and halters that become tomeg, tumas mace, you could sprinkle them with the paraduma ashes, and you could dunk the head of the animal in a mikvah, and they become tar. There's two pshatim. What kind of rings became tamehi? One pshat is that it was a human ring that, was, that became tamehi and was given to the animal. That's how it became tamehi. Another pshat is, it was an animal's ring all along, but since it serves a human being, it's like a human ring, which is mekabal tumah, whereas an animal's ring is never mekabal tumah. We learned in the Mishnah that you dunk the head of the animal in the mikvah and it's metar, that ring. What about chatzitza? That ring is really tight into the collar. Tupshatim, either he widened the gap by hammering it out and that doesn't remove the tumah either because it was a human ring and remains a human ring or according to the other shot that it was a human ring and became an animal ring, just widening it is actually helping the ring, and therefore it doesn't remove the tumma. In order to remove the tumma, you need to be mechalkal, you need to destroy. Another pshat is that we're discussing a ring that had width to it to begin with. They fit very loosely, and the water was able to get in between them without widening it. When it comes to a human ring that fits on a finger that's made out of metal, you have all these conditions. It's human, it's metal, it's for a finger, and there's no difference between rings. You can't find a difference. If you have a ring that's semi-wood, semi-metal, that, in fact, is not mikabotuma. If you have a ring that's for a belt or for the back of your garment or your sleeves, that is tar because it's not for the finger. And, as we said before, a ring for an animal or a ring that fits on a door or some sort of vessel, a clee, you know, like, you hang up a frying pan with a ring, so if the ring is removed from the frying pan, that ring is not mekavotoma. If it's on the frying pan, it is mekavotoma because it's part of the frying pan. For Shabbos purposes, for mukta, a ring that has a signet to it, if a woman walks out with that on Shabbos, it's an iser de raisa. If it doesn't have the signature to it, then it's an iser de rabbana. When it comes to a needle, if it's a whole needle without any rust, it's mechabal tumah. And even if it has rust, as long as it doesn't hurt the sewing process, it's mechabal tumah. If you never made a hole, you never made the eye to the needle, and you're planning on making that hole, so right now it's not mechabal tumah, it's not a kli yet. However, it's not mukta because it still serves, serves a purpose, it can remove a splinter. When it comes to Shabbos, to taking out from Rishos to Rishos, if it has a hole, you're chayiv, but if it's for decor, for a woman to put a pin, and it doesn't have a hole, then she's allowed to go out with it, have a wonderful day.